Hello everyone, welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Kahn, and I talk about how I can start, run, and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called The Shape of a Problem in the Wild. Let's get started. The wonderful thing about humans is that they have a hundred different ways to talk about their dreams, desires, needs, and challenges. Now, two people will talk about their experiences the same way. Thankfully, we can group these messages into several easy-to-recognize categories while we observe our potential customers in their communities. So today I want to talk about audience discovery, embedding yourself in your audience, and then discovering actual problems right there in the communities where your audience hangs out. Here's an important thing to understand. Problem awareness in your target audience cannot be expected by default. Many people walk through their lives dealing with problems but not recognizing that something is wrong. To them, it's just the way things are. When somebody asks for a recommendation, not only have they then understood that they actually had a problem, but they also learned that they can solve it and that there are solutions out there that others might recommend to them. And those are completely different levels of understanding. So let me introduce Eugene Schwartz's prospect awareness scale here today, which is a handy categorization of different states of clarity about any given problem in the space. Here's a quick rundown of the scale from lowest awareness to highest. You start with the completely unaware. That's a person that's not aware of having a problem at all. They are most likely to complain about a pain they feel when they communicate in their community. Then there's the level of the problem aware. These are people who understand that they have a problem, but they're unaware that somebody has already solved it. They're most likely to ask for help in their community. Then there's the level of the solution aware. The person knows that their problem can be solved, but they just don't know yet that you offer a product that does. So those people are most likely to ask for recommendations. Then another step up, there's the product aware. The person who knows that you sell something, but they're also looking at the competition. They will ask for alternatives to your products and your competitors. And then there's the most aware, the final level. The person knows your product and only really needs to be convinced to use it. And for problem discovery, this group isn't too interesting because there's really not not much for you to do. This person already knows everything they need to do. And it's more like a sales effort. So it's super interesting for sales activities at some later point. So keep that in mind. But what we're interested in here on the prospect awareness scale is anywhere from completely unaware through problem aware, solution aware, and product aware. So let's start with the completely unaware who complain. So let's talk about complaints. This might be the most obvious hint that there's something wrong people quite literally telling you that something isn't working for them. Anything that starts with one of these phrases, let me just get you a couple just to think about, can be considered a complaint. One of them is, I can't believe that X is so hard. Or why is there no X for Y? Or I can't figure out how to X. And how on earth do people deal with X? If you find these questions, then you know you're looking at a complaint. And the common theme among complaints is that they usually come after somebody attempted to solve a pressing problem unsuccessfully. Their frustration level rising, they eventually escalate to sharing their annoyance in their communities, and that's where you will find it. Understand that a complaint is usually quite an explosive message. People are not quite happy 
when they complain. And this might draw a bleaker picture than the person would feel in another situation. Still, a complaint is a clear indicator of a pain, a strongly felt one at that too. If you see regular complaints about a particular issue, you might be looking at a very critical problem. When people vent their frustration, consider holding back on the engagement for a bit, particularly if you are embedded in that community. Don't just jump in. A person who just typed furiously to deal with their pain is not the best candidate for thoughtful and calm conversation. Take a note of the conversation happening and engage a bit later, maybe even through another channel than directly responding to the original message or thread. Just make sure that you get those people at a calmer state when you actually explore the depth of the problem. Let's get to the second stage, people that are problem aware and asking for help. While complaints are usually very emotionally charged, asking people for help is a more somber affair. While often similarly using similar wording, right? the complainer doesn't actively seek assistance. And that's the difference. People who complain are looking for consolation and commiseration maybe. But a person asking for help is looking for a more interactive experience. And when people ask for help, they've exhausted their repertoire of solutions. Particularly in professional communities, people will try many, many things before they consider asking others for assistance. In certain communities, it's perfectly fine to ask for help at any point. But it might be considered a sign of weakness and lack of experience in others. It's a reputation game, right? Your embedded exploration effort, being part of a community, should have provided you with some insight into this threshold so you can distinguish how experienced any given person asking for help might be. And it's it's always a question of experience. By virtue of having a limited knowledge, beginners will ask for help faster and more often, obviously, because they don't know as much. And that will skew the quantitative distribution of asking for help messages towards the novices in any given field. It's quite obvious beginners ask more questions because they have much more to learn. So if you actually tally those kind of questions asking for help, you will, just from uh, the distribution, find many, many more novices. But every now and then, an expert will ask such a question and pay particular attention to those posts because they point at critical problems that even the most experienced professionals who often have interesting budgets have trouble with. So that's extra interesting. When you find a person that has been around for a long, long time, who has some reputation in the community, and they ask a question asking for help, clear indicator of some value. So take notice of who responds to people for asking for help and how they approach both solving their problem and then asking for clarification. Because it's always about understanding a solution. Right? You will learn a lot about how solutions in the space can be analyzed and by observing how people try to find the root causes of problems. And that will help you too, just in understanding the actual reasons why those problems appear and how their criticality is impacting the lives of the people who experience them. The people who jump at the opportunity to help another community member are the people you want to follow and engage with actively. Consider how much insight they have into the problem space on your target niche. Not only do they hang out in the community, they're actively trying to solve people's problems. Does any person who you should ask about problems they regularly encounter just to see what's happening in the space, it would be the person that is always on the lookout for people who need help. 
So make sure that you note down those people you see interactively engaging other people who are asking for help and helping them. Those are the linchpins in this community. Those are the people that are super well networking. They're really good at networking. They are super well connected. And they are actively working in this community every single day. That is the kind of experience you can easily tap into with a conversation. And that's a I think that you you should definitely do once you see them acting like this. So let's get to the solution away. People looking for recommendations. People who don't need help immediately but are interested in preparing for a future problem will trust their community to, to supply them with valuable recommendations. And those are the people who are problem aware, more than problem aware, who understand that there's a problem and they know that there is a solution. They might not have the problem yet, but they know they might need it in the future. So whenever people ask for tools or processes or resources that will help them approach some future challenge with confidence, you should take a note of a couple of things. The first one is which product, services, or resources are recommended most often within those replies to this particular question. Just shows you the landscape of the community and the field, the niche that you're active in. And what gets recommended all the time across many different questions That kind of also shows you the popularity and usability of certain central tools and solutions in this space who everybody is aware of, like that everybody uses those things because they get recommended all the time um, for different things. Those are very interesting to follow because not only are these tools interesting uh, to to look at in, in terms of a solution or product that you might be building, but the kind of additional information that the people who produce these kind of services or tools might have on their blog or in their FAQs or just in, in they might have a podcast or something, they could give you much more insight into the problem space in this particular market. So those kind of main tool pr- providers, they are a very interesting source of information too. And then who recommends these things? Like how experienced are those people? Are they trustworthy? Might they have ulterior motives? Are they trying to sell something? And how does the community react to people either freely giving information or doing this with some sort of salesy approach in mind? That's very important for your future efforts when it comes to marketing within this particular community. You can kind of already go through the history books of people trying to sell and people just selflessly helping and seeing how this is different and how this is perceived. It's very important for you and on your later efforts. And then finally, is there a follow-up? Does the person who initially asked report back in, in some capacity, after they consumed or used that recommendation? Did it work for them? And that's honestly a very effective way of evaluating any recommendation, right? You might even consider asking the person who asked a few days, um, who asked a few days after they received this particular recommendation, even though you might not even be connected with what they asked about, right? It might not be your product, may not be your space at all. Just ask them the thing that you got recommended. Did it work? It's just interesting for you, and it will give you an opener to having a meaningful conversation with a person in a space that you are trying to help. Try figuring out how the solutions that are being recommended are monetized. That's a big one, too, because obviously you're trying to build a business. So this will heavily inform the expectations around price in that community and how money is actually exchanged for a service. If every single recommendation is a free tool or a resource, you might run into trouble charging for something comparable later. Doesn't mean that a solution to their problem can't be turned into a viable stream of revenue using other monetization strategies, but I personally prefer to directly charge people money 
which directly validates the balance between price and value. Particularly for SaaS businesses and bootstrap businesses, this is interesting because if you had a lot of a lot of money to build a system and then monetize in a different way or put ads in there or something, that is fine as well. But bootstrapping a SaaS business really is about recurring revenue. And that's what I personally would like to have for a solution in any space. Okay, now let's look at the product aware, the people that are on the second step from the top on that um, awareness scale by Eugene Schwartz. These are people looking for alternatives to existing products. And that's an interesting variation of looking for recommendations because it's an ever so slightly more specific ask for alternatives, right? Recommendations are open-ended. People take everything they can get because they don't really know anything just yet. But asking for an alternative is different and much more interesting for this problem discovery process because here's a solution to a validated problem that is not sufficiently solving it. And on top of that, someone is actively seeking it. This is amazing. When people ask for alternatives, all your audience validation and your product or problem validation is already there because these people are having a problem problem that they need solved right there and then. And the tools on the market are not good enough. And since we're interested in signs of a validated problem, this is an extremely powerful signal when people ask for alternatives. Somebody else has found a problem we're solving but failed at executing. And while that means that their solution might need some major tweaks, it just pre-validates the problem for you. And the other validation that people um, asking for alternatives provide is the existence of a budget. Unless the person specifically asks for for free alternatives, you can consider them interested in paying some sort of fee for a solution to their problem. For your future price calculations, it's useful to jot down the average price range of the product for which an alternative is sought. That'll just give you an an anchor for your own pricing later. And um, yeah, it'll it'll just give you some, some clear insight in what people are willing to pay for in this particular niche. Alternatives also allow you to understand that the workflow of your prospective customer is visible and you can see it and you can understand it. Obviously, the product that people want to replace doesn't quite work with how they approach solving their problems once they ask for an alternative. So it's a good idea to ask them about this specifically. Since you already know the problem to be valid, this will give you a head start for invalidating any ideas you might have that will clash with your customer's reality and existing workflow. So um, finally, let's look into a few other kinds of messages that you might find in communities that are indicative of a problem because we already went through complaints and alternatives and recommendations and asking for help. So what else is there that um, might give you some some kind of sign? I think the, the first one that's always super interesting is when people are sharing the often crude manual systems that they made to solve a problem. Whenever you see somebody trying to build an Excel sheet or a Google Doc or an Airtable or something to enable them to solve an issue, you have found an issue exhibiting several traits of a critical problem. It's recurring and painful enough that somebody built a system around it. And you can already see what the system is doing so you understand what the product needs to provide. This is super helpful. And I would say this is um, this is not a question, right? It's not asking the community. It's just really showing people something. So it doesn't really fit into any of the existing categories that I, that I just presented here. But it definitely is a very, very strong signal because... Uh, even though the the pro- the product that this person built, let's call it the product, right? It may not be monetized, but it is an actual thing. 
this might not fulfill the needs of everybody in your audience. It is indicative of what needs this particular person has. And if you can then do some more problem validation and understand, okay, the underlying problem, is that something commonly shared in this audience? Then that can get you to a point where you can build a solution, right? Don't just like take the crude system that somebody has and turn it into software and hope to sell it to a community. It doesn't work either. You still need to validate that this problem is commonly felt and critical to people. But it's a much stronger signal than no system existing for anybody in this community whatsoever. And here's another one. Here's another kind of um, thing that you should really look for. This is people that are looking to hire somebody to solve a problem for their business. No matter if it's a contractor for a quick job or a long-term position, you're actually looking at somebody who couldn't deal with a problem and then chose to act on that when someone is hiring. So really, really check. if The moment people start hiring for something, this is a clear need. It's a, quite literally a job to be done. And this is an opportunity to build a solution that helps these people that are looking to hire and the other people who might run into this in the future or are already running into it but haven't chosen to hire yet. So sharing crude systems and looking to hire somebody. These are two additional messages that I would recommend looking out for in your community communication observation strategy, right? So it's important to understand how and why people choose to communicate about their problems to others in their community. And you can use this prospect awareness scale and the archetypes of the messages that I presented today to estimate where the audience you're observing from um, within their own communities, where they are along the path from completely unaware to full awareness. This is a validation strategy that you can leverage for further outreach your marketing, and finally, obviously, also your product decisions. So listen to your audience. They will tell you what they need and how they need to be talked to to understand them better. So um, that's what I wanted to talk to you about, about the problems in the wild and what shapes they take, how you can detect them. Let me maybe share where I'm currently at with my own stuff. I am, as you know, I'm writing uh, my next book, The Embedded Entrepreneur. And um, just now, like a couple minutes ago, I uh, finalized a design contest for the cover. So now we have a potential cover for the book. And my alpha readers are still, um, I would say, like around 50-60% into the current draft version 0.2, which um, will turn into 0.3 at the end of the month, uh, like two weeks from now, maybe a week. Depends on when I find time to work in all the suggestions, which have been plenty. I think having 500 people uh, reading a draft creates a lot of interesting insight, sometimes contradictory, sometimes very effectively communicating a problem with the draft. So I'm super grateful um, to every single alpha reader, obviously, who is helping me along the path of turning a draft that I wrote within a month into a book that uh, thousands, I hope, of people can find valuable in the future. So that's that has been really cool. Um going along just the the publishing part as well like with the with the cover and and figuring out how to actually put the book into the stores so that that will be pretty much what i'll be thinking about over the next couple weeks is what formats to offer um i currently i'm considering doing the same thing that i did with zero to sold back in june and 2020 which is offering it through amazon the kdp system the kindle direct publishing which allows you to um put it in print 
and as an ebook at the same time and launch it on a certain date. So that's going to be nice. And I think I'm still going to go with Gumroad again and offer different kind of formats like PDFs and, and EPUBs and, you know, like everything that people might need that are not too interested in doing business with Amazon. Um, not sure about the audiobook this time. I kind of have a feeling that I want to record it myself, but uh, it's still going to be like three or four hours. And, um, as you can tell just from this episode, which I don't really edit much, an audiobook would need to be edited. And that is a lot of work. So not, not sure if I'm, I'm going to record it myself or if I'm going to have uh, Derek do it again, who did a great job with the zero to sold audiobook that I finally got on audible like two weeks ago and that has been selling pretty well obviously because a lot of people have been waiting for it and i'm I'm very happy that it's out now which it kind of completes everything that i wanted to have uh, with zero to sold like that book is now done uh, in a sense of this iteration of the book is available in every shape that i wanted it to be so i'm not really sure about that if if the audiobook is uh, in the stars with me narrating it so if you like the idea of me narrating this audiobook for the embedded entrepreneur, just send me a message on Twitter or an email, and I, I guess uh, I'll consider it uh, more of a realistic approach to making this thing happen because I, I want it to be good, right? I want the people who are listening to the thing to enjoy it and not have to deal with, um, yeah, ums and stuff. But anyway, um, I'll, I'll figure it out and I'll, I'll do something about it. That's a, for the book, I guess. And Permanent Link is still running, like my, my little SaaS that I've been building for my own needs initially, but actually now has quite a number of people um, using it. Actually, yeah, a month ago, I had my first paying customer. They chose like the yearly plan too, which is really nice. And more and more authors are flocking to the tool to put like permanent links into their books. Um, actually releasing them to the wild as well, like having books in production where those links are effectively used. So I'm super happy to to see where this is going. I'm um, surprised by how stable this has been. Like that has been a very, very, um, why should I be surprised? I built it to be stable, but it's nice that it has been running for months and I hadn't do anything about it. Like um, the only issue was that like I had to kind of, look into the checking side of it. Uh, permanent link, the idea is that you put your links in, you have a permanent link, and permanent link checks consistently if those links are still reachable, right? And if they're not reachable, then they, it redirects to like the web archive, archive.org. So the checking system sometimes needs a bit of manual customization depending on how eager certain companies are at preventing scrapers from going into their system. Facebook is a problem, right? You cannot scrape Facebook easily without it like banning you or something. So or sometimes this needs to be adjusted, but that is really all I've, I'm doing. Like, I think in the last three months, I spent maybe two or three hours on permanent link and it has just been running, which I attribute to the fact that Heroku is amazing and um, an Elixir Phoenix backend is quite stable and can handle all kinds of things. But it's just nice to see that you can build a SaaS that is almost no touch, like quite literally no touch business. And I quite enjoy that. So even though it's not making me um, any meaningful amounts of money at this point, because people are just really checking it out, still enjoyable to have that little business there. So that's, that's where I'm at with that. And I may or may not have committed to another very interesting project. Um, maybe that just as a 
mystery hint at this point. I'll probably talk more about this in the next couple of weeks, but there's something else on the horizon for my, my software engineering projects as well. But I'll talk to you about that when it's official. So for now, I think that's it. Um, thank you so much for listening to the Bootser Founder Podcast today. You can find me on Twitter at Avidkahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootserfounder.com. You can find my book, Zero to Sold, at zerotosold.com. If you have any questions about this episode, reach out on Twitter or send an email to arvid at thebootstrapfounder.com. If you want to support me in the Bootstrap Founder podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. It'll help other founders or founders to be find the podcast and learn more about starting, running, and selling their bootstrap businesses. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.